0: Welcome to Ground Up, a podcast about propelling entrepreneurship in Uganda. Brought to you by Uganda Entrepreneurial Ecosystem Initiative. I'm your host Baker Kai. Let's get started. Welcome to Ground Up. Today we're talking to an entrepreneur. We have a very special guest with us today. He's called Jacob Hwanba. He's a CEO and co-founder of Borderwork. He'll introduce himself shortly. Um, as a reminder, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, do subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Welcome, Jacob. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you very much for having me. Yes. I've, seen I've already turned my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, my name is Jacob. Uh, as I was introduced as the uh, one of the co founders and the current CEO of Bodavac. Who am I uh, i am I was born and raised in Germany but came to Uganda four and a half years ago to uh, start something so I'm an entrepreneur as well and I'm doing that with my friends who are also engineers so I'm also an engineer I'm also a father so yeah. I would say that's that's who I am
0: How awesome so speaking about uh, Jacob the entrepreneur, tell us about Bordavark. Uh what does the company do the company that you co-founded and that you're currently CEO of? And why the name Bodevac? I find that really interesting and our viewers might not know exactly what that means. So could you shed some light and tell us about the company?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, so we founded Bodevac in 2017. Um, the truth is at that time, we did not really knew what we want to do or what we are going to do, but we, s- we saw all those motorcycles in, in Uganda and Kampala. And we, s- we knew we want to do some, to do something about those motorcycles. So. Those are easily 150,000, 200,000 motorcycles in Kampala alone. Mm. So you can't over, s- overlook them. And um, we knew we wanted to be serious with what we do. So we have to do the, you know, the, our homework, right? So register company. That means you need a name. So <laughs> we said, okay, well, since we know it has to, something to do with those motorcycles. The so border we, we, we pick the, the Boda from the Boda border Bodas. And uh, since... Um, us, the founders, we all sort of have Ugandan and German backgrounds and studied back and forth in the countries. Um, We picked the German word uh, Werk, and the German word Werk is the, uh, is sort of factory production side, a garage. So Boda Werk basically means uh, a Boda Boda garage.
0: Awesome. Makes a lot of sense now. Um, So Boda Werk. Uh, yeah, learning and practicing a German today. <laughs> so could you tell us about your journey then? Um, you've talked about being back and forth between uh, Germany and Uganda. Uh, when did you get into electronics and battery manufacture design and, and why particularly? Was this something you were always drawn to as a, as a child? Did it happen along the way? Could you just walk us through how that happened?
1: Yeah, I was never drawn to electronics. I had no touching points at all, not even in university. Um, how we were drawn into that is in our quest trying to find a financially sustainable mm-hmm. business model. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, we started, founded Budavec 2017. At that point in time, we saw the borders, we made some proposal for the electrification, but it was simply not yet possible at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we tried, all sort of things to bring down the coast so we can introduce uh, renewable energy technologies as fast as possible to, mm-hmm. to East Africa. Um, as we were trying to do that, we understood the systems more and more and more. And uh, at the end of the day, we realized, well, if we really want to change something big in the cost structure, we need to you know, develop know-how and, and capacity and do R&D, especially in the field of batteries and battery electronics, and this is, this is sort of our journey. That's how we ended up being now a, a technology company and, and, and battery mass manufacturer of battery packs. Mm. Um, it, was, it was really, it was like what's needed, right? Mm. And after you analyze what's needed, you also understand where you can contribute value as an engineer. And um, mm. that's where we started developing those, those things.
0: Awesome. So you've talked about a couple of things and, um, I mean, you started by telling us about the meaning of the name and you've talked about battery manufacture, but maybe just to give context to the entire conversation, what does Bodavac do?
1: Yes. So Bordavec is a Ugandan engineering and innovations company that develops, that has developed a battery pack design that drives different battery powered applications. Mm -hmm. Um, if we ask ourselves where do we know batteries from we know batteries in the solar home systems they're always dead so we make those batteries but parking then we hear about batteries in the context of electric mobility those are motorcycles tricycles boats everything that needs an electric motor also needs a an an electric battery to power that motor Mm -hmm. and um In the agriculture sector with our electric tractor, that that one is also driven by by batteries. So what we do is we want to mass produce uh, our battery pack design here in Uganda and bring that smart and affordable battery into the three sectors that you mentioned, energy, transportation and agriculture. Mm. And um, we want to make... That battery as an affordable piece of technology that you need to drive a motorcycle, a fishing boat, your solar home system, or your electric tractor, your electric threshing machine, everyone needs a smart and an affordable battery. And that is our contribution, and that's what we do.
0: Awesome. So why these three sectors, uh, energy, transport, and agriculture? Those are the three sectors that you focus on, and all your products fit into one of those. Why these particular sectors?
1: I would say because we are focusing on very fundamental needs. So I think energy, transportation, agriculture, three, one of the most fundamental sectors might even add healthcare or, you know, but mm. it's very fundamental. One is the question, how do we move from A to B? How do people reach work, meet friends and family? How do we transport goods, you know, from A to B? That's all transportation. And, um, Economy up or down doesn't really matter. We, still <laughs> right? have, to we, move. we have to move. So <laughs> yes. we also have to eat. That's yes. agriculture. And we also need to power our things. Uh, that's energy. Yeah. So specifically in the Ugandan and East African context can go a bit further there. So transportation is driven or large, large volume of the transport is Conducted on motorcycles. Motorcycles make 70% of all imported vehicles in Uganda. Wow. 100,000 per year. Mm. And so if we want to have impact, we need to change something big. Mm. You know, if we change the 1,000 Toyota Vits so in Kampala, then it's, it's, uh, it's also yeah. an impact, but yeah. you know, 100,000 motorcycles is more. Then we also know 80% of the rural homes and households are not connected to the grid. So mm. the need for energy is big. So that's why we're there. And, you know, be it a, a rural health clinic needs power, a little solar system and inverter and so on, to run their lab equipment and so on. Mm. And, uh, and agriculture, um, from the numbers I have, 70% of all Ugandans are smallholder farmers, mm. uh, subsistence, mm. smallholder farming. And all the numbers that are out there also suggest that in future that's not going to change. The Af- Africa's yeah. agricultural GDP will yeah. come from smallholder farmers, yeah. so we need solutions for smallholder farmers. We yeah. don't need giant John Deere's tractors <laughs> for industrial farming. Yeah. You know, farming. We need smallhold micro solutions.
0: Solutions.
1: So those yeah. are. That's why we target food, energy, and transportation. And transport.
0: Yeah, and I like that you talk about impact. We'll get a bit more into that um, later. But just to bring it back to the the journey as an entrepreneur and with Borderback and the time that you've been in operation, what would you say some of the key achievements have been or milestones along this journey? Any successes that you've had in terms of this impact you're trying you're out to create or what you out to achieve?
1: Yeah, I would I would say the, the biggest success of, so far after four and a half years is having survived.
0: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Given the landscape that we're in, uh, just yeah. being still being here is uh, worth congratulating for sure.
1: So, um, yes, that's what we're proud of. Um, we, we had sort of a, a privileged start because, uh, we had some, some small capital to play with and to, to bring to Uganda and to know we can now do our research for some years and figure things out because you don't just define a requirements list and say, that's what I'm going to do. No, 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 that's not how it works. You have to go on the ground and you have to observe and trial and error back and forth, you know, through iterative approaches. You have to really understand what is the need of the market? Mm. What is the need? What's the pain point of the customer? And Then you have to sit down probably as long, just as long as that, and uh, and ask yourself, how can I solve that and, in a value-adding way? And uh, yeah, that, that takes some time. So that's how we started. So in the beginning, we... Partnered also with other startups. There's uh, Musana Cards, for example, another startup in Uganda that have street food carts and uh, we were designing and co-designing them with and for them, and producing them locally for them. Those were sort of our early steps in learning how to how to do local mass manufacturing of right. any product and how to get quality and how to lead yeah. a team of ten people. So it's really. Warning, learning how to crawl and then two years later how to walk and now yeah. we have sli- started slight jogging say, <laughs> over the last couple of months.
0: That's awesome and yeah I know it's never smooth sailing like you said having survived is already an an achievement in in its own way so what have the challenges been? Are there any major challenges you face setting up shop in Uganda Maybe as someone who hasn't also lived here and who came to start this business here, have there been any challenges, any major challenges that you could share with us and I guess more importantly, how you've navigated those and o- overcome the challenges?
1: Yeah, I think they are there there are lots of lots of challenges that one has to to overcome as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um I I actually would almost say most or well, not most of them, but major challenges are personal ones because mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's all about how one delivers. As and, and as an entrepreneur, you're also a leader, right? You, you also lead yeah. a group of people. You need to direct and you know share vision. And that is, I I really feel like me as a me, I have changed a lot and de- yeah. learned a lot and developed a lot uh, during that time. So I think it is it's the entrepreneur's character who needs to you know keep pace mm-hmm. <laughs> with with the development. Um, challenges that we faced um, were were multiple. Um, m- maybe let me let me focus on the ones from a, from a manufacturing perspective. Yeah. Challenge one: power cuts. Challenge two: internet. Yeah. Internet, it's insane. We we used to pay one and a half million shillings a month for mobile data for the stuff t- for people to mm-hmm. be online. You know, to be able mm-hmm. to collaborate. Um, that is very, very tricky for mm. if, 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 we will, if we dream of a thriving digital startup ecosystem in Uganda, yeah. not with those internet connections. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, then access to, to know-how mm. is, is uh, sometimes challenging. So
0: yeah. finding,
1: finding the right people talent, for the job, yeah. finding talent. Um, then quality inputs so in in Germany, for example, um you have that large um middle class that is involved in, in in being suppliers for different industries. so you have a small company that only does thermostats and another one does only has focused on tools and the other one on multimeters and so on and so on and Here, there is almost no um sort of secondary supplier industry middle class all those small and medium enterprises doing all the different things so Mm. you don't just walk you know to company and say okay i need this kind of thermostat and they say oh you see this our catalog take this one (laughs) and you know you Mm. get all the quality components put them together and you have a quality Mm. system if you have Mm. designed it well so for us, we need to import a lot of things. Mm. And uh, importing things can be a pain. Mm. And um, the truth is, there is no provision and no system in place that supports small, innovative startups to get a variety of different things, right? You're, mm. you're, you're bringing in so many things. You say, I, I need to test, I need to do R&D, I need to yeah. blow up a few things maybe <laughs> on, on, on the way to getting a solution. And, you know, the way the system works is you need to write a list with four, three, four hundred things. Um, it can be very unclear sometimes, mm. uh, you know, you're also not being told straight, do it like this or do it like that. People say, no, no, no problem. First mm. spring, we talk and then mm. you, when things arrive, you, you have a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, um, bureaucracy um, around the importation of goods is, is insane. I'll, I'll be honest with mm. you, it's insane. There are so many different taxes. There's, it starts with PIVOC exemptions. They're withholding tax exemptions, VAT, mm. import taxation. and You know, the funny thing is many laws are in place, tax laws, for example. They're in place. It says yeah. solar panels, not tax. Yeah. So if you, for example, order a few, few solar panels, now you go to customs and say, here, where are my solar panels? I want them. They'll say, where's your letter? So even yeah. though it's written in the law, yeah, you still need to run. You need to apply. They need to write it in a letter addressed to you. They need to activate it in the system. Make that small click, which disappears sometimes again. Mm. This is very. It has been literally sometimes we have been waiting six weeks. Six mm. weeks it took us to get a parcel, a package from mm. Entebbe. Yeah. And during that time, our R and D simply stalls. Mm. We are we are just struggling with such.
0: Yeah. The yeah. bureaucracy and that frustration, I can, I can see it on your face. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> have you found ways of maybe navigating that? Um, I mean, from the time you started and now, have you seen some improvement in uh, maybe the options of locally sourcing materials and maybe not have to rely on import so much? Or do you think this is an, an area where we still, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done?
1: Um, there is not much locally to source what you can do we already do so let us Mm -hmm. let's say the 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 metal case so we made sure to say hey we designed a metal case Uh, Mm -hmm. it's robust and it is a material that we can locally process and add value Um, the importations let me say that discussion around importation i find it sometimes a bit difficult so Mm -hmm. importation is not necessarily a bad thing Mm. So, if you look at Germany, which raw materials does Germany produce? Mm-hmm. Mm. So, meaning obviously that every German car that you have ever seen in an advert in yeah. the world is it produced by importing right. many different components oh, Airbags then. from Japan, uh, a mm. chassis from Hungary, and just assembling. Mm. Yes, now people say just assembling. So
0: <laughs> Volkswagen
1: is therefore just an assembler. Yeah. Um, of course, they design the component, then they go to the supplier, they say, this is how I need it, then they do the quality control, then they ship it all, then they assemble it or they do all the quality checks. Mm. But they are not extracting iron ore mm. in okay. Germany to mm. make... The German car axles from German iron ore. That's not how the world works. That's also not how, f- not how a phone is being made, right? Yeah. Uh, it's designed in California,
0: mm-hmm.
1: made in China. That's the iPhone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> True. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's shift the conversation a bit. Um, and this is something you touched on, and I know it's a big part of your business. Um, the work that you're doing around Uh, recycling so a lot of your products are built some of your products anyway are built from recycled materials and we've seen a lot of your work revolving around sustainability as well could you tell us more about how you're doing this how you're using recycled materials to uh, build your products
1: yeah so we started recycling actually as one of the first activities ever simply because we had Importation issues with battery cells, oh, there and, we go. <laughs> and uh, so we tapped into the local waste <laughs> stream. So that was only a temporary solution to bring to build mm. um, motorcycle batteries, but um, we learned a lot from that, and it also gave us an idea of what we can do with our batteries once they no longer work in a motorcycle or on a tricycle. So what happens? What happens with the battery after? Mm. And um, what we do is, um, maybe to quickly explain about the life of a battery. So everybody has a phone, and all phones that we have, they use lithium-ion technology. Mm-hmm. The same battery technology that we use in our motorcycle batteries. And everybody who has ever owned a phone knows on day one it lasts you a nice 24 hours, and one year later you, mm-hmm. you hope to reach the evening wi- when yeah. you're off. Know,
0: <laughs> That's your power bank. Yes, mm.
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. So the a battery degrades over time. Now, mm. um, if we look at a battery in a motorcyclist, uh, but, a, but a guy uses it for transport after maybe two, three, four years, he wants a new battery because now, as much as your phone doesn't l- last you a full day of work, um, he needs a battery that lasts him for one full day of work. Yeah. So he has no need for the old battery, but Again, the old battery still has charge, right? You're also not throwing away your phone, you know, you buy yourself a power bank too. Yeah. So that is exactly the same thing with batteries. And um, so we asked, we said, we don't want to throw away, uh, you know, what still has some good 70, 80% of capacity mm-hmm. left in it. Mm-hmm. What can we do with it? And there is a wide range of applications out there of people who need batteries, but they don't necessarily need a brand new one that has a hundred mm. kilometers of range in a motorcycle. Maybe mm. they need one to light their homes, to run the, the Paco later once in a while, run their TV. and mm. That's something you can perfectly do with the second-hand battery. Mm. And even after that, you can still take that battery further apart mm. down to the individual cells, which w- what we also do, we test them and then we build other products that are needed, rechargeable torches. Mm. And power banks, mm. as per now. So those are the two. Let me say retail products that we have made mm. from recycled laptop batteries.
0: Oh, awesome! And you said this started off as a temporary, a temporary solution, but is yes. it now a full, uh, like production line that you're going with? Because of obviously, like the benefits of, of recycling and having minimal waste.
1: Yes. So we we still have that, and we still have the retail products to sort of finance that, and you know, keep doing what we're doing. Mm. Um, the recycled batteries will never be even close enough to feed the demand mm. for uh, all those motorcycles. Because imagine, yeah. maybe there are 200,000 laptops in, in Kampala. Um, yeah. Each laptop comes with six battery cells. But mm. the 200 motorcyclists in Kampala, they all need a battery with 416 oh. battery <laughs> cells. So yeah. Already yeah. the laptops are not enough for They're the motorcycles enough. and yeah and other reasons as well. Yeah.
0: Okay, I see that. So do you create your products um, in a particular n- way with sustainability in mind?
1: Yes, very much so. So since day one, we said we don't want to throw that thing away after three or four years just because the capacity is a bit less. So we said, how can we design the battery so after it becomes... The sort of waste for the first life application. The, the, the motorcyclist mm. says, I need a new one. This one no longer works for me. For him, value is little. Mm. But someone else out there says, oh, what, a battery with three and a half YAKA units inside still? That's awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we said, okay, we need to design our battery in a way so it never becomes waste, and we can seamlessly transfer it from a first life application mm. to a second, second life. life application. Mm. So from the motorcycle... Powering around right.
0: my grandma's home in the village. Awesome. Okay, that's uh, that's 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 uh, really impressive. I'd say in what you're doing around designing your products with that in mind, and just not having waste. And speaking of, we just recently concluded the COP twenty six, the UN uh, climate change conference, and one of the things that were highlighted were emission targets. You know, mm-hmm. Glo- globally, this is something that everyone is talking about and is aware of. And you seem to be on the right side of that conversation you know with emission free um with the e borders and your different uh uh, the e borders and the the e-tractors as well yeah so what else do you believe needs to be done and how do you believe we can lower our emissions is this something that is important to you as a company that you're conscious of uh what could you um speak to on that
1: yeah so um Of course, all our products are emission-free because Mm -hmm. they're just using uh, electric drivetrains. For the scientists out there, they might Mm -hmm. start hating now, say, okay, (laughs) maybe not emission-free because as you produce the motorcycles, Ah, there there are are some some emissions, right? You you, you weld it and you you spray paint it or something like that. Uh, But at least the operations are nearly Mm emission-free. Some people also start when the... Tyre is being used up, right? Mm. Over time, the tyre is being used up, even over the car. Mm -hmm. So that tyre is being turned into particles into dust right so you have the emissions of the rolling tires but of course that's
0: definitely less than much less and we're talking about no
1: petrol drivetrain related emissions so no exhaust gases no old oil that you pour in the trench so those kind of emissions are not there
0: yeah
1: so um there are some challenges around there so emission-free, uh, the next question that comes in e-mobility, you say, okay, fine, where's the electricity coming from? Because if you charge your electric car with a diesel generator,
0: mm. there's also
1: <laughs> no point doing that, right? Yeah. So, um, but that's where we are in an awesome situation. I think 98% of Uganda's electricity is uh, renewable energy, most of it coming from the dams and mm. some other from other sources, some geothermal, some little solar, but we have almost 100% green energy. So yeah. if we in Uganda fuel up our electric vehicles with electricity, we know that's yeah. good electricity.
0: Ah, oh, Awesome. So do you believe then, I mean, based just piggybacking off of just what you've just said, is there enough support from policymakers around addressing uh, climate change or is there anything that you'd like to see improved?
1: Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's <laughs> a lot of improvement needed. I guess the biggest... Uh, issue here might be the the, the sense of urgency mm. so um a lot of question. let me say um, criticism or questions that are being brought up or somebody profiles him or herself as you know just you know looking sharply on the details before making you know hasty decisions, but Mm -hmm. we are at a point where we need leadership. We need to make calls. Mm. We know nobody is perfect, so we know from the next 10 calls that we make, five will be wrong, but, Mm. you know, that is not an excuse to To do nothing. To not make a a call, right? So we cannot, you know, in other before you fly to space, you say, okay, let's maybe first do 30 years of research, Mm. and then we give it a try. Mm. We don't have 30 years of research to come up with a perfect solution that everybody is happy with, you know, when it comes to climate change. Yeah. And uh, our air quality for example in Kampala, I don't know, do shall we wait 30 years and continue having the status of the uh, one of the five or 10 African cities with the worst air quality or even globally? Mm. So how, uh, how urgent, urgent is that? how r- urgent is urgent that? decisions? So and uh, if we compare urgency mm. and the way Policy making, and mm. you know, oh, let's meet in Glasgow and then let's meet next year again. And after that, mm. we meet again. So, what's now? What, what's the action? Where's the action plan? What, what, what are we going to achieve till we meet COP27 uh, next year?
0: Yeah. What, what would have happened between deadlines? Now and again? <laughs> deadlines, right? Not, <laughs> yeah. not, not, not visions and, visions and, and motivations and,
1: and what? Deadlines and milestones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of action, um, bringing it back to to the company yes what impact have you seen uh, from your work so far in regard to the sustainability that we talk about
1: yeah so as a as a company that was still very much involved into R&D we have seen the the most obvious impact that i see every day is the impact that we have on the team that we are we are now a team of almost 40 people oh wow um, meaning we have more we've created about 35 jobs yeah i'm um, not counting ourselves
0: <laughs> and how many were you at the time that you started
1: oh we started with two people okay then added one we're three then mm. more founders more mm. workers we sh- mm. relocated we shifted and uh, yeah so really we are seen how we've impacted uh, our our people our our employees our staff, and yeah. our stuff and um yeah, that, that's really, that's the biggest thing. Because yeah. already we are at a point where, you know, you can from an, from a financial perspective, mm. you could mm. say, let's say tomorrow we go bankrupt, mm. could say it's a failure. Mm. But no, we have already won, we have already trained and impacted 35 people's personal lives and, yeah, and their brought them and their families and brought them, just made them better people, better professionals, better, you know, Mm. Social skills, soft skills, you know, the the full package. They can now go anywhere. They could work anywhere else. They would be a good, uh, they're all great team players and good contributors and so on. And uh, then when we look Mm. into our products, we are mostly in the testing. So Mm. we are all about the battery or mostly about the battery. So we've tested our battery by selling more than seventy electric motorcycles, ten electric tuk-tuks, mm-hmm. outboard engines, we have installed different solar system backup systems, and yeah, the customer feedback that we're getting is very great. Uh, yeah. One guy is now running his server twenty-four-seven on our product, on our backup system that we yeah. just installed. He calls yeah. us and says, "Oh, that thing is Yeah. no more issues <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> before. No problems with power cuts. So yeah. there are multiple, um, but what is also cool to see is that the end users um, really appreciate that this is a product that was engineered for them. Yeah. So and that is that's really like uh, they ask you questions, but does it do this? Can it do this? And you're like, yes, 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 mm-hmm. and they're
0: like. Eh. <laughs> this is really good. Yeah. Do you, you give it to me on a loan? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. the last question we need to answer. Yes, yeah. <laughs>
1: we do, but uh, we are also sort of fundraising right now to really. Uh, okay. Make the next so big, what would you say step.
0: is the most rewarding part of the work that you do? People. The people. Just people. Yeah. Everything
1: else is, is irrelevant. Yeah. You know everything else. Money is just money. car is just a car. House is just a car. But when you, you know, when you go through life. Then you know the best thing is if everybody's cheering, everybody's smiling, yeah. or, or even if something bad happens and everybody's chipping in, everybody's caring, everybody's visiting, you know this is really this is what life is about
0: yeah, that's very profound uh, yeah, I really like that, so let's talk a bit about financing now, so um how is innovation for climate change being financed, this space that you're in are there is there targeted support? that you've been able to receive for the business based on this um area that you are working in
1: mm, not Maybe. yet mm. um we are completely self-financed we uh, even had to borrow from family because uh, financing is not not easy um mm. there 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 are different challenges around that um they i would say they start they start mm. first and foremost with the founders because a financially sustainable business model and a well-thought-through business plan and good projections and a robust supply chain, and this is homework, this is all homework. Everyone who just presents all that on a silver plate will not get a no in this world. You, mm-hmm. don't, you don't get a no for that. Mm. So I really say, and that's why we also have not raised funding yet, because we might have raised funding with you know a semi-cooked story but Mm. we didn't want that and we had the privilege to you know run on a budget a bit longer as we're figuring things out and before we approach someone Mm. um but so that is really you need a really good idea really really well thought through otherwise you will never convince someone to give you their money (laughs) yeah right then the next thing is we need to you know you need to commit and you need to show that you are putting in something first. So, you yeah. know, everyone mm-hmm. out there has a good idea. Yeah, but okay. well, is it even adjusted? more than one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but can you put it on the ground? Mm. No. Do you need money to even put a prototype on the ground? Then you're out, mm. right? Because there is someone out there who's well, willing and who has the skills and who's going oh. to put the prototype on the ground, going to figure it out, collect early customer feedback. Mm. And that one also asks for money. Mm.
0: But he has
1: already something, right? Mm-hmm. So you, I would say that's the second thing. So you also need, you need to have more than a freaking PowerPoint presentation, you know? Mm. Those stories of, oh, we're pitching in Silicon Valley and get $5 million, mm. pre-seed funding, mm. those people already have, like, five successful exits under their belt, you know? Mm. They are raising that money as people, you mm. know? They say, oh, this guy already founded three startups and yeah. sold them. So You have it. Go we can ahead. can bet right? on
0: him. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So here we really need to
0: Take m- your time do the proof.
1: right? So mm. this is, for example, where we also said we also put our own money together. Said let's build an electric tractor. We put our own money there. We carried it into the rural areas. We plowed in Lira with it. We took the videos. Mm-hmm. And then we started writing applications, and that's when we received some support from the Dune Foundation mm-hmm. and the, the, the Carbon Trust on mm-hmm. Um Shout out there. Yeah, this is a <laughs> um, form of grant. Uh, yes, that, is, that grant was grant support that yeah. was only for agriculture, so mm-hmm. productive use of renewable energy in the agricultural sector. So, of course, we're mm-hmm. touching here everything from food, food, uh, food security, of uh, rural electrification and targeting the smallholder farmers who are, you know, caught in the subsistence farming, mm. you know, trap cycle, sort yeah. of. And, um, yeah, that's how we, uh, that's actually my just my example to say, you know, sometimes to get that 300k grant, you know, yeah. you need to show, you know, you need to put in the work the and you know, work on the weekends on the prototype and you know, get get them the video, you know, at, yeah. least, <laughs> you know? <laughs> at least. At least. So
0: um, so what obstacles have you faced? Uh, so for example, with the grant with the grant financing that you're able to receive after, you know, putting in that work and, and providing the proof with those videos that you've talked about Um, did you face any obstacles along the journey and how did you navigate them? Are there any lessons that you'd share maybe to other entrepreneurs that are in that same space?
1: Yeah, I would say the biggest obstacle to financing, because I think we're still talking about financing, is again as the entrepreneur, him or herself. um, In this case, me, as I also hold sort of the CFO role. And um, it, it's not so complicated. Mm. Everybody says financing is the issue. Financing is the issue. But if you pull everyone who says that and drag them in the conference room and say, okay, fine. Now you have two hours of my time. I want calculations, projections, a business plan, and a nice pitch. And it must make sense, and mm. it must withstand a hundred critical questions. Because nobody gives you, you know, if somebody gives you a hundred thousand dollars, he will at least ask you one question for every thousand dollars. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? That's his work, you know. That yeah. is due diligence, right? You have okay. to do it. Yeah. So that's really, I would say, nine out of ten people who say financing is mm. the problem. They, I always say, you know, we have that German that, that saying in Germany, you know, first clean in front of your own door before mm. you start talking that in front of your neighbor's door, it's dirty. You yeah. Know? First start yeah, with your own things. Yeah. So, so um, do you think
0: it's more of like a skilling, um, definitely. Sk- skilling hey, issue. Even for us, yeah. I was
1: also not skilled for that. I, mm. you know, I'm also learning, you know, the language that mm. is being spoken in the finance sector, uh, yeah. very con- conservative and, and risk averse mm. sector. Yeah. And, you know, you, simply have to realize and recognize the fact that you have to upskill yourself to talk like a banker. Yeah. That's, that's what you have to do to yeah. get financing and to convince someone who only knows ROI, IRR, what, 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 risk, yeah. countries, triple B rating. Yeah. you You know, what if the investor says, yeah, okay, I see, I would like to give you the money, but you see Uganda's triple B rated in the financing world. How do you see that?
0: You have to be ready for that. (laughs) You better give a good answer, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think they call it being investment ready. And we see a a couple of organizations coming up trying to support entrepreneurs in that way to prepare them in terms of how to actually speak to potential um, financiers. Do you think there's enough work that's being done there from your perspective
1: um, not enough, but um, it has started, and mm. uh, we also um, sought help and mm. we applied to the Ugandan Green Enterprise Finance Accelerator, UGEFA. Yeah, and we were a part of that, and that was super important for us because yeah. right now we can have some conversations at least without yeah. embarrassing ourselves, <laughs> and that was because they helped us and yeah. they really went through us step by step through all those financing things and the mm. different KPIs you're being asked for and, and ratio what's your yeah. what's your return equity return asset ratio yeah. as
0: I think that's an important point you've raised because I think many times entrepreneurs or business owners feel like, you know, I know my business, I, I know what I'm I know what I'm doing. Yes. But you've just spoken to the fact that there's a lot of value that you got from actually joining a program like that that was going to teach you and so sometimes we need to humble ourselves uh-huh, and humble and learn. ourselves and <laughs> learn
1: and go back to school. And, yeah. You know, it's easy to say, Ah, you see all those financing things, you know, just give me the money, it's going to work. Mm. You see customers love the product. Don't you see it's flying off the shelf? Don't you see Mm. those are all excuses for not sitting your A down (laughs) and do your homework on you know weekend after weekend after weekend until you have put together the documentation that is expected from you. Yeah. And yes, and even us, we had to humble ourselves. We went back to school, we ask a lot of questions and we learned a lot of things. And you know, you have to fight that inner thing that tells you. Ah, those are just excellent numbers and you or know, yeah. oh, those are the annoying financing. They just should give it out, right? You know, those yeah. finances they're all sitting on money. Why are they not just that's giving somebody's
0: it? Somebody's money that needs uh-huh, to be right. accounted for. <laughs> exactly. True. Yeah, yeah so. that's a good takeaway. So how do you define success? Suppose as an individual and as a business, um, how would you how do you define success? And what are you out to achieve? And in in the grand scheme of things.
1: I think, for myself, I would define success as win-win-win situations. Mm. Um, I'm not a person that is, you know, driven by you know w- wanting to build my own skyscraper in Kampala and then live in it alone. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> not, no, no, no. So um, I think success is should be sustainable and we talked about financial social environmental sustainability yeah and uh, and for myself yeah it's success is sort of it goes a bit in the direction of karma you know you try to do good things and you believe that if you try to give your best Do good things that also good things are coming back. And if sometimes good things are coming back, then then that feels already like big success. And um, you are trying to push, for example, we started trying to build our brand, professionalize further, you know, get a more cohesive, Mm. you know, the way we we present ourselves. And when we were now exhibiting at the Kambala, at the Science and Innovation Week at the airstrip, People came to our booth and they were like, "Hey, you are Bodevick. Hey, we're following you on social media. You're always posting, and you and yeah. that's like, oh, I've been doing this for such a long time now, yeah. consistently. Yeah. And six months later, somebody Being comes recognized. back and says, "I saw it. Yeah. And you know those small moments. I don't know how to describe it better. Yeah. Like, this is success. You know, yeah. small steps, setting small." goals for you know the company for employees for yourself yeah. and uh, sometimes you win sometimes you lose mm. as long as you learn from it you know it's a success and
0: yeah and you just keep making those those steps and those strides to where you eventually want to yeah so to be.
1: but our let me say visionary our big 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 success story or so as vision on, you know how have we changed history in Uganda mm. would be that we you know, uh, really accelerate the transition to renewable energies across all sectors um, with our smart and affordable energy storage that we locally mass produce. Mm. And This will now have very, very big effects um, from the smallest to the biggest scale. So on the smallest scale uh, for the typical motorcyclist, um, he earns maybe 40,000 shillings a day. So he will, on such a day, he has a fuel bill of at least ten, ten thousand, twelve thousand 10,000, 12,000 shillings. He needs to put oil in the motorcycle or maintain it, repair its spare parts. He brings 10,000 shillings to the owner of the bike. So you remain with about 25% of yeah. your total income. 50% yeah. is what you have to spend to operate your petrol bike and then you pay rent and you remain with very, very small, small
0: margins. Bike. Yeah.
1: And our goal is to really reduce the cost for Petrol, fuel and oil with the electricity and make sure that the end user is not caught in some very expensive loan agreement. So he ends up paying the same that he used to pay before. We want that the end user actually halves his expenditure. Yeah. So, and that means for the typical Boda Boda guy that he doubles his monthly income. And mm. uh, now doubling the monthly disposable income, that is a real impact. That's yeah. more money for school fees, more money for, uh, for the family, for medicine, clothes, airtime, whatever. Yeah. So, so that's
0: the financial sustainability that you actually you were talking about. Yes, or I mean. social.
1: So the product, mm. you know, Im- positively impacts society, you know. Mm. That product uh, guarantees affordable public transport for the next 50 years. Because our public transport is the boda boda, you know. Somewhere else it might be, you know, a big bus owned by the city and you pay 2K when you enter. Here it is an an anthill and you can jump on any ant, pay 2K, and it brings you somewhere. That's our public transport. Mm. So public transport, imagine all, you're seeing how the fuel prices rise right now. Mm -hmm. How do you think is it hitting the people who drive for 2K to work and 2K back, that's 4K a day? working Monday to Saturday, 25 days a month, that's 100k on transport. And now the Aboda guy says, I need two five. Mm. Don't you see the fuel? Yeah. So now they're paying 120, 125 a month now. Yeah. So it, it, it really, the, the poorest people use Buddha taxi, and when the fuel prices rise, then who is being hit fast? Yeah, So, people. Sustainable, affordable, you know, it must work for the person that sits on the bike. So we're not introducing the luxury, emission-free green service that costs more for, mm. you know, rich people who say, oh, I want to drive a green, boda boda. Mm. You know, it's about the one who rides it. It must for work for him. In and the long the run, run the for one? the person, for the passenger, it must work. It must work for the city yeah. as a whole. It must work for the government. So, of course... Right now we are exporting, we are importing fuel and therefore we are exporting our GDP in cash mm. to other countries mm. to buy fuel again. Mm. So we could spend that money only mm. on electricity. Our local electricity. We would not even import it ourselves anymore but mm. we just take the electricity from the dam and we run our own transportation industry, our own agricultural industry, our own energy sector. Mm. And um, so... We would love to see that everybody just runs mm. on such, not, on, not necessarily ours, you know, just renewable energy products, and yeah. everybody makes more money, we have a better uh, environment, mm. you know, less fumes and so on. On government level, we have import substitution, we mm. are using all the excessive electricity that we have in the grid, mm. pay back the loans for the dams, and in the, in the middle between the Boda Boda guy and the government are the, is the industrialization of Uganda. Mm. And we can now leapfrog how to learn how to build a petrol car out of 35,000 different parts. Mm. We can leapfrog in the mobility. We also decided not to put telephone cables, right? Mm. We just put the mobile masts. (laughs) And we can also leapfrog there. We don't have to become petrol engineers and experts. Mm. We can immediately become electric drivetrain and Mm. battery experts. And we just... in. Big, you know it's a, in, a renewable energy industrialization and now we would even make sure that know-how and the, cap- the local capacity to repair and maintain and reuse and recycle mm. you know this is this is also a very very big yeah. uh, a, a vision of of ours
0: yeah and i see how it's all connected that you know financial sustainability environmental social it just all goes hand in hand um win-win-win Win, 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 as you said, <laughs> success, right? Yes, that's success. <laughs> yeah. So what's next for for Bordavark? What do you see, um, let's say, in the next five years? Are you looking beyond Uganda? Um, what are some of your aspirations or things that we should look out for as your supporters?
1: As our supporters? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we are really, our, our major, major focus right now is to scale our battery production, mm-hmm to 100 megawatt hours by 2026, and then having the first gigawatt hour production capacity in, in East Africa mm. for battery packs. And um, that is really, that is the foundation. Because as you have seen, all the applications use our battery, even the solar system uses a battery, even the motorcycle, even the tractor. Mm. So they all have the same need. They need a mass produced, mm. therefore affordable, and smart battery, because we don't want a stupid one. <laughs> and um, they all need that. And as long as nobody does that, right, physically gets those things on the ground, we'll all face continue facing that problem. And that is yeah. our contribution. Um, on the application side, we, we are also partnering with other companies. So, for example, there's Asobu in Kenya. They're trying mm-hmm. to bring electric boats on the lake. Uh, and, and other companies who need motorcycles, tricycles, solar systems, and so on. And, um, mm. yeah, our, our vision is really to, to contribute the, an affordable battery that is still robust, long-lasting, right? Otherwise it wouldn't be circular and not sustainable if it really yeah. breaks after a year. True. And, um, and, yeah, I would like to see that battery powering as many applications out there as possible. And awesome. then, Yeah, we are right now uh, in a, have started now our own first fundraising um, okay. round yeah. that we yeah. are seeking to close in around March April next year yeah. um, to to facilitate the the further growth yeah. that, that we that I described. Yes.
0: Awesome and and all the best with that. Uh, are there any in other maybe like interesting activities or events coming up that you'd want to point our listeners to? Anything that you're participating in or um, that's coming up for you at at uh, Bordewerk?
1: Mm, let me think. We are planning actually, or it might be a virtual event uh, because of COVID-ETC, but we were yeah. planning to uh, take people on a little journey through our uh, ag hub. So, in Apache, near Lira, mm. in northern Uganda, mm. we have an ag hub with a big E for energy. So, yeah. that's basically a container with uh, many solar panels, electric tractors, motorcycles, tuk tuks. Mm. Mm. And what we do there is we provide services to the surrounding farmers. So, transportation services, plowing their acre, threshing their maize, milling it. Mm. Um, you know, th- those kind of things, producing energy there. We do some, we have a little OD milling machine. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we we could share that with you. And uh, if we decide to make that virtual event, everybody can just, you know, log in via Zoom and, you know, take,
0: take join back. us, join yeah. us on
1: a tour through our agricultural technology ecosystem.
0: That's awesome. So where can we, where can we find you Um uh, social media website where yes. can someone get more information about what you do and how to participate?
1: Yes, yeah, so you find us uh, on the internet. Uh, it's bodavec.com. Bordavec, uh, uh, we also have. That's B
0: O D A W E R K. Yeah. Yes,
1: B-O-D-A-W-E-R-K.com yeah. And you'll also find our. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter handle there. Mm. And uh, if you just want to get an idea, you know, a little bit of what's going on without reading too much, I recommend yeah. going to Instagram that mm-hmm. is uh, full of pictures and videos of events and products and assembly and fabrication processes. So yeah. You can just keep, keep scrolling there and see what's going on.
0: Yeah,
1: And uh, yeah, the website has a little bit more information and if you're interested in, in uh, specific products, I would like to have a a small consultation on your energy project or your transportation needs, yeah. then you can always reach out out to us. Our contact information is also on our website, our website. on Instagram, on Facebook. So any yeah. channel is is okay.
0: Awesome, awesome. So as we conclude, do you have any final thoughts or parting words that you'd like to share with our listeners, uh, fellow entrepreneurs, and as and ecosystem actors as well? Yeah. Uh, before we conclude.
1: Yeah, I, I, all I can say is that I I really appreciate everyone who is out there and mm. who is trying to get renewable energy startups off the ground. Um, the challenges are many, the obstacles are many, the support is little, and it is not easy, it's not easy to, to you know, find something that can work and you know, figure all the issues out and... We just need to appreciate the efforts of everyone who's out there and trying, uh, despite all the challenges. So all I can say is keep trying. And if you have issues, technical issues for us, um, no, maybe that's something I can really say. So after more than four and a half years of research and development, we have come up with uh, technologies that we now need to copy and paste into not only Uganda, but you know, all of Africa, or you know, even in other developing countries. And as we speak, we have exported more <laughs> to Kenya mm-hmm. than sold in Uganda. So that's also says something about the uh, technology adoption curve. Yeah. And, you know, you have the early adopters, the technology yeah. enthusiasts, and uh, there might be, seems the Kenyans have some of them yeah. that are our good clients. And um, we are also testing our technology right now. To be exported and used in uh, in a battery um, battery production in Benin in West Africa. Mm-hmm. So, and what we're seeing is that the technology that we developed in Uganda for the Ugandan dash East African market. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? In Benin, they also appreciate the features of, you know, our technology that we put in there. Oh, it has financing. Oh, I can use it in a home after using it in a motorcycle. Oh, I can share it with a fishing boat. So they appreciate that and they want that. And it's really cool to see that we are seeing Ugandan technology and production outputs being exported to Kenya and even up to West Africa, Benin. Mm. Um, And I think that's that's really the future. Um, for the for the continent, and um, I, I really offer to anyone out there who is in the space of um, mobility, energy, or agriculture. Um, yeah to To reach out to us, I don't believe that we all have to reinvent the wheel. And mm. We are very, very open when it comes to collaboration and technology transfer, know-how exchange, and so on. Yeah. So, if you, if one of the things I mentioned today, yeah. you in your head say, "Oh, that one I've been struggling with," or you know, every morning when I wake up, that's the first thing I'm thinking of. Uh, reach out reach to out. us; we might be able to help you, and uh, and then yeah. we take things further.
0: Awesome! Thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you for everything that you've shared, and uh, yeah, we wish you all the best, and we'll be watching out to see you know what next, what, ne- what what's coming next on your journey. So thank you so much. Thanks also up. to
1: you um, for having <laughs> us and for giving us a platform and some exposure. You asked which support have we received? Yeah. Yours. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah. thank you very much for that.
0: Our pleasure. Tune in to Ground Up every Monday. Subscribe and share this content if you find it useful. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.